2022, the corrosive nature of power and ambition that's at the heart of Macbeth's downfall is as relevant now as it was when Shakespeare wrote the play. Verdi's opera Macbeth is very true to the bard's tale of a well-regarded general corrupted by the prospect of becoming king. Playing the lead role in NZ Opera's new interpretation of Macbeth is Kiwi baritone Philip Rhodes under the direction of Nisha Jones and opposite his Lady Macbeth, Amanda Escheles. Philip was born in Hawke's Bay and in 2005 he won the Lexus Songquest. I asked him if Macbeth is a role he's been dreaming of playing. I remember uh, reading... Uh, Shakespeare's Macbeth uh, in fifth form and it was probably one of the few projects I actually completed, one of the few books I read being that uh, I really at that time was at school for rugby and lunch but uh, you know Macbeth was one of those compelling uh, horrific reads that uh, actually I don't know the answer as to why I really wanted to delve into it and read it and understand it but I think it is that um, understanding of how quickly we can go off the path between uh, wanting to achieve something and wanting to uh, crush people on the way to doing that or really going the wrong way about it. And it's a, a great warning to your soul about keeping keeping grasp on yourself and keeping grasp on your nature. You know, is this the way you want to go about things? Who is your Macbeth? How do you see him? How do you play him? In this opera, we, we only see a very brief moment where Shakespeare says, I won't. I, I won't resort to, to violence and I won't raise my hand to to uh, fulfil these prophecies. So I, I play him as a man that can see there is a way that he becomes king and is kind of pushed over the edge. So more important than this opera is the partnership he has with his, with his wife, with Lady Macbeth. And they both kind of encourage each other to go to the, to the worst extremes. So um, I think without each other, they probably wouldn't do what they're about to do but uh, as a as a team they find themselves hurtling towards this sort of inevitability so i, I play him as a, a a torn character you know he knows the difference between right and wrong he knows he's on the right path and he has to know that in order to have the the hauntings that uh, take place whether they're in his mind or whether they're real they have to really terrify him and frighten him to drive him to do even more horrific commit even more horrific crimes against nature. I mean, as the performer portraying him, Philip, do you have to find a way to like him, to sympathise with him, to, to play him? Yeah, and that's not hard, actually. I mean, in, <laughs> in my job, the, the, the competition of my job is forever present. You're ever having to prove yourself. You're forever having to uh, re-audition for jobs, even though you've worked for someone maybe for 10, 15 years. And you know you're up against 10, 15 others, so you have to really... The only way to get the job is to, to convince yourself to be better than the other, to come in with uh, with more to offer. And, and so that connecting Macbeth's uh, nature to want to be better is, is not difficult, to want to be in a better position. It's so relevant to, to anyone that wants to sort of climb the ladder or... or get ahead or, or just even in today's world do well is uh, such a huge task and there's so much competition so it's quite quite easy to see him as a as a man also that uh present in, in Macbeth is that uh he, he was destined to be a great warrior and probably that was it <laughs> but he wasn't willing to settle for it once he had been told there were other things on offer so it's uh it's not too distant from every man
really. You mentioned before that dynamic with Lady Macbeth, and you will have um, thought about this role, of course, before starting to work on it, before meeting um, Amanda. But how important have those conversations with her, your Lady Macbeth, been? You know, the discussions, the on-stage chemistry? Because all of us who've been in audiences have seen ballets and operas where the chemistry has been 100% there and sometimes where we've had to suspend our disbelief just a little bit too much because the on-stage chemistry, for whatever reason, hasn't been there. But this is going to have to work. How's it going? Yeah, no, it's going really well. And I think I think the point is, you mentioned how are the discussions going and uh, Amanda is such a stage animal that everything that she does is so evident so there's no need for discussion i can see exactly what she's saying i can understand what she's where she's going with the character and and that's uh, i think we're blessed with uh, with a magnificent lady macbeth she has to be your equal doesn't she on stage yeah. and in this relationship and in voice i mean the whole thing you are you are a team even though it's a, it's a team that goes off the rails absolutely she has to be the equal and and in a way uh, when i read verdi shakespeare she's almost more powerful in her nature and her resolve. She seems to come unstuck at the very end, whereas Macbeth slowly unravels. She has this great strength right up until the very end. We're lucky to have Amanda here to portray. It's, it's already a great Lady Macbeth, and with a couple more weeks of building in, it's going to be... Um, yeah, it's going to be a force to be reckoned with. <laughs> well, tell me about your director, because I know this is a new interpretation and opera can go all sorts of places. It can go you know, to outer space, it can go um, forward in time, it can go backward in time. What, is, what are we going to see with um, this Macbeth? Our Macbeth and Nisha Jones has um, put together a great uh, visual feast for us. You know, there's a, there's a lot of projection. Sometimes people can get a bit smart with... Uh, with using multimedia, but uh, Nisha's been very clever about making sure the images we see tie very much into what we're portraying. You'll see us in almost a timeless dress. I would say modern, but it's um, very relatable. You know, we're sort of Armani suits, and we might even see uh, Macbeth unravel so bad that he shows up in a in a tennis tracksuit. Or, <laughs> but um, it's yeah, no, it'll be relevant. It feels relevant. It's a a take on what a king feels like today a sort of criminal underworld and painting a pretty exciting picture. It's been it's been great to be involved with and Nisha's been brilliant in pulling out of of us the best that we have and, and in adding more, which is, you know, that's a nice space to be in. I can't say that's always the case. Well, I was just thinking about that too, Philip. I mean, this is another of the challenges that you face. I'm sure you've been in, we're not going to name any names, of course, but I'm sure you've been in some productions where perhaps the director's vision you've struggled with for whatever reason for it to to make sense to you. So that director's vision must be crucially important, that you get it, you love it, you embrace it, you know, and you understand the reasons for it if it is something like this, which is perhaps using, you know, fashion and setting to add layers to the story to make it relevant for today. You bang on that uh, if the sense from the director to the to the performer is lost, then there's another step with the performer trying to portray a lost message to the to the audience. And, and when we're up there doing that, that's not a nice place to be in. And, and it's, it has happened a couple of times in my career where I've thought I have, I have no idea what, what I'm projecting. And it's come across in the reviews that the, the performers uh, looked lost. And, and uh, I don't think that's going to be the case with this production. I really feel that we're, we're all connecting. We're all on the same page. And whenever there's a moment to say, oh, I don't, I don't get what you mean. There is a good lot of information 
from Nisha, from Brad as well, just to sort of fill in the gaps. And even if there have been moments where I've still not not quite grasped it, they've been able to adjust their position and make it so that um, I can still tell the story, which is, you know, it's a really wonderful and, and humbling humbling thing to experience. Very intense. I mean, most opera is, but, you know, you have the light comedic opera. This one, three hours, is it three hours of, of um, full-on stage time, effectively. What is the kind of physical training, Philip, that you that you need to do, as well as, you know, learning your lines and learning your steps and all the musicality of it? What about physically? Yeah, well, this one, for me, has been quite demanding. I mean, in general, the last five or six years, the roles I've been singing have sort of had... Uh, well, thirty-minute appearance at the most, but uh, this this Macbeth, I think I'm on stage for around an hour, uh, singing for most of that, or or at least um, part of an ensemble. And physically, this one has been very demanding. Like t- we had our studio run on Saturday. Now today, two days later, my I can feel all the aches and creaks in my body that uh, you know where I know playing that sort of paranoia and angst of, of Macbeth has really sort of <laughs> got right into my body. But also the navigating of um, drama versus the economy of, of your voice. You know, we, we're not singing with microphones, so there's a, there is a toll that um, the vocal cords sort of take. And uh, it's been quite a process for me to sort of learn how much I can give without sacrificing sound, the tone that's expected in, in an opera. And that process alone has, has been a huge learning curve for me, even for me. Well, I was looking through your CV, and it is extensive, and I couldn't see Macbeth as a role that you'd played previously, but I may not have had the full list. Or is this your first time? This is my, my debut. Oh, with, uh, Macbeth, that so, must yeah. be the most exciting thing. And is it a role that you've dreamed of playing, given, as you said at the start, you know, you read the play, and it really engaged you as a teenager? Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. Um, I mean, the the aria Pietari Spetta Amore is is one of the one of the great ones that I've sung in a few concerts and in the back of my mind I think one day I'll one day I'd love to sing this role. Like in any job when you're progressing somewhere, when you when you become progress based, you sort of you you uh put those big jobs to the back and let them come if they come and, and I'm lucky that, that uh, New Zealand opera are putting it on and, and I get to come down here and put on some big boy pants, so to speak. What's happening with the voice? I mean, the voice will mature for a singer, of course. I think men come to their voice a little later than, than women, um, speaking voice and I'm assuming also singing voice. But where are you at now with your voice? Is it still developing? Yeah, it's always, uh, I think it'll always <laughs> always be developing. Um, I'm always uh, in, the, in the practice room sort of working on making sure it's, my, my voice is clear and uh, kind of let the growth take care of itself and, and be honest with myself when I think I'm I'm pushing it out of shape and um, maybe trying things that are too big. And we're constantly growing and, and musical ideas are constantly changing. I'm working with, we're working with Brad Cohen now who has some wonderful knowledge of, of the music. And He's your conductor, right? He is, yeah. And uh, the shaping and phrasing and asking of a, a few more things that I may not, may not have being willing to try a, a couple of years back, you know, long big phrases and and uh, you know, it's been it's been a great challenge. It's been a yeah, I feel feel like uh, a lot of growth has happened just in the in the four weeks we've been together in the room. Last week on Standing Room Only, actually, I was talking to Madeline Perard about the new opera studio at Waikato University. This one year course, you know, um, emphasis on the voice, but also a lot of work going into um, making the singers career ready. You know, skills like. Media training, for example. I mean, given when, when news 
went out onto the international stage, Philip. Would something like that have been useful for you? I know you had the support of Dan Kiritikanoa as she supported so many of our young singers, but I mean, something like this course, can you see the value of it? Yeah, absolutely. I can see the, the value of a, of a course. Just even a course focused purely on, on voice is uh, a magnificent thing. I was lucky to experience that at uh, Dennis O'Neill's Academy in Wales, where just every day was singing. And um, there's kind of no substitute for doing what you do every day. You'd know uh, in your job, as with any sportsman as well, that if you get to focus on just what you need to do to be good at your job, the chances are you'll probably you'll have a biggish, better shot at the at getting to the place that you want to be. I do have my criticisms of any sort of institution. One of them is is that uh, it's most important that people don't lose their individuality, and they that continues to grow. So I, I do hope I, I do hope that the school really just uh, focuses on the on the individual and gives them a chance to grow as a singer and not really impede who they are by telling them they have to answer things like this or do, you know, be a particular way. Philip Rhodes takes to the stage of Auckland's Kiritikanoa Theatre on Wednesday as Macbeth for the premiere of this NZ Opera production, followed by performances in Wellington and Christchurch.